Hey everybody, Steve here. Look, um, usually I start off with a funny quote or uh, just go straight into the show, but some things you just need to kind of address head on. And I just want to talk about something that happened on Twitter and just to sort of get it clear as to what happened. So for the last couple of weeks, months, um, anytime something positive happened, uh, and was reported in preseason or camp. I put out from the group account. Um, I quote tweeted and put out Super Bowl confirmed. Um, I now see the error in my ways because a guy called Chad on Twitter said that he cringed every time I posted about the Super Bowl and that the Packers had only won three in his lifetime of forty plus years, and it's made me sort of reflect and look at how maybe. Maybe positive plays in the preseason do not guarantee Super Bowl success. Um, I've had to sort of st- take a step back and reevaluate my life. And I just want to sort of apologize to all of those impacted. Um, I do. I'm really sorry. Let's go down. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers Podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and it's hard to put across sarcasm uh, on Twitter. It's also hard to find some common sense. Um, obviously, preseason plays, if they're going positively well, I'm absolutely taking the piss and being sarcastic uh, when I put Super Bowl confirmed and now it's just going to be more fun, I think, when uh, when we put it out. But for anyone who doesn't get the joke, it's hyperbole, right? You know what they say, if you have to explain a joke, then it's not worth Do I seriously think that after a, a, a nice bit of play that we're going to go to the Super Bowl? No. Maybe. So look, I wanted to get on and talk about the performance against the Bengals because uh, in all of the stuff and the Patriots, which hasn't, you know, the game hasn't happened yet. So don't worry, you haven't slipped into an alternative reality. Um, But yeah, look, I was really buoyed by the fact um, of what I saw in that preseason game. Now, I did say, look, there's certain parameters you want to judge the preseason by. And in the same sort of, you know, vein, it's veiny. Um, I want to sort of talk about, you know, let's not lose the, the run of ourselves here on a preseason game. However, um, there is some sort of smack being talked online. Because one thing, one thing I will say, if you enjoy putting many errors into something and uh, creating content, and then receiving abuse from strangers online. Content creation is most certainly the job for you. Um, it's fantastic. So look, there's there's stuff online. And of course, who's the culprit? And years ago, when we used to do Clown of the Week, uh, we made this guy the honorary clown, just a perpetual clown um, on Clown of the Week. And it's Colin Cowherd. He's sort of saying that Jordan Love's a game manager. And I hate giving him any sort of lip service, if you will. Um, but yeah, it's just the whole game manager thing is an absolute load of tosh. And I want to sort of the overarching analysis from people who actually know football, guys like uh, Dan Orlovsky are saying that they've been very impressed with Jordan Love. Uh, the football players he's come up against in uh, the Bengals, the defense for the Bengals, turned around and said that they have a good one in Jordan Love. 
Now, does that mean anything? Probably not, because you need to see them playing games. Uh, Ryan Leaf <laughs> was seen as a fantastic football player, uh, and that didn't pan out. But there's a couple of things that I saw from Jordan Love uh, that I really like, and I shall impart what I've seen upon you. I should unleash. I will blow my opinion uh, all over everybody. So look, it's just between the players saying he's been impressive, uh, between the journalists coming out and saying, look, that was pretty solid from Jordan Love there. Um, I think too much we look at, because for instance, right, Colin Cowherd came out and said that he's a game manager and that he'd rather have Justin Fields who comes out with those wow plays despite the fact that, you know, Justin Fields' record is absolutely atrocious. Um, and also the fact that he's completely talking out of his arse, and it's not true. But I think it's we can be buoyed by the fact that the reports that are coming out are good. Um, we're hearing stuff of, you know, wow throws. But the best indication would be, and I would strongly advise anybody to do it, is take a look for yourself. You know, go and look at the person playing. Because I used to always remember playing... Uh, fantasy soccer soccer and you'd look at some of these players and it'd sort of lull you into getting them onto your fanto team because they would just be consistent day in day out now they might not score you the fantasy points and i'm not going down the whole game manager route here and saying like oh no he doesn't wow you but he's consistent it's just some people have that wow factor you know and i've talked about it on the podcast before uh, and i know it's a different beast um and it's a different comparison but you know, there was this talk of the minute Tyreek Hill went out as a rookie for the Chiefs, uh, he was looked upon and said, he's just different. He just looks different. You know, he's just the way he moves, uh, the whole thing about him. And he was far from a polished product at that point. Polished product at that point. God damn it, did I plan that? Did I plan the polished pack, the pack point? Passed in your pack. So when I looked at Love in the preseason game, I was looking for certain metrics, you know, and you're not looking for the dynamite throws. Because if you look at the box score, you know, what is it? He averaged 4.6 yards per throw. And you can go and analyze that and say that was atrocious, yada, yada, right? But he only had uh, 10 throws, seven of which were completed, right? For 46 yards and a touchdown. It's not going to blow you away. But you have to look behind it a little bit. So not to get too carried away and not to do too deep dive, uh, really, is let's take a look at Jordan Love's throws and also let's take a look at what he said in his presser and also let's take a look at what Dan Orlovsky broke down uh, on a couple of tweets. And again, watch them for yourself. It's not lip service. It's actual proper analysis that these guys were given. So look, first off, what I did was is I kind of broke out. Now look, we can talk about Sean Clifford if you want. And we can talk about the defense and I will touch on that um, a little bit after the Jordan Love piece. Um, but I'm not going to get too granular because, again, to look into anything preseason is ridiculous. But what, again, what I was looking for was, is was it a disaster? Is his demeanor good? And is he able to read defenses? Because reading defenses is very important, um, even if they're preseason defenses. And I'll go into a little bit of detail on that. And also, are you poised in what you're doing? Because there was a couple of things that happened to Jordan Love uh, that weren't great. Uh, but let's look behind them a little bit deeper and see what the story was. So let's talk first, I guess, about Matt LaFleur's offensive plan. And let's break down how the drives went. So Jordan Love was in for two drives, um, two offensive drives. And they went pass, pass, run, pass, pass. And then they were off the field. And then it was pass, 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 a penalty, then a run, then a penalty from the Bengals this time. 
and then it was all passes until the touchdown to Romeo Dubs. So there was a hefty amount of passing for this. Um, and by sheer virtue that they didn't lean on the run, which you would expect them to do for, say, a rookie quarterback, I thought was a positive sign. Um, but anyway, first and ten. It's a seven-yard pass to Aaron Jones. Now, I'm used to in the Matt LaFleur offense is that, you know, they run first. It's always a, you know, first down run. Get it some yardage, three, four yards. Settle the nerves a little bit. Um, and then try the pass maybe after that, right? That wasn't the case here. It was a pass for seven yards. Then the next one on second and three, he hits uh, Musgrave for a first down. Big deal, right? But what I saw on the first play was, it was just textbook, nothing to write home about, no major drama. The second pass to Musgrave for the first down, he let the play develop. Uh, He didn't panic. He bought his time. He was patient. And then he passed the ball. So again, you can probably look at the highlights or whatever um, on the zone or game pass. But that's what really stood out to me. And am I looking too much into it? I don't think so because I see this trend sort of go on, right? So as I said at the top, they went to a run then on first and 10, handed it off to AJ Dillon. He gets three yards. Then it's a second and seven. Second and long. And what does he do? He takes a deep shot to Christian Watson and it's broken up by the safety, Dax Hill. Very good play by the safety. Now, what did I see on that play? It was very well thrown. It was a home run play. And Love keeps his eyes on the right of the field and then throws to his left. And that's something that we see uh, on the very next play. Um, And I thought that was very good. It was on the money. And again, I I wanted to look back at it. What what the analysis that I wanted to be, I won't lie, is that he held the ball too long. He let the ball fall a little bit, maybe too short, didn't put enough air underneath it because that's a criticism of Jordan Love and Camp. And then I was thinking, oh, well, maybe he let the, you know, maybe the safety could have picked him off, you know. But when I look back at it, I thought, no, that's an absolutely fantastic play, a really, really good play, well-designed play call. And he went to the right man there. Had Christian Watson been able to pull that thing in um, and it was so accurate, you couldn't believe catching him in stride, which must be, you know, pretty difficult to do with a man as fast as Christian Watson. Um, it would have been a touchdown. So not in any way perturbed by the fact that the safety knocked it out. Sometimes you have to admit that the other team get paid too, and that was a good play. Now, this is not a hagiography here, right? This is not me saying that Jordan Love can't do anything wrong, but so far, so good, right? Next one uh, was the one that got an awful lot of the press, and this is the one that made um, Colin Cowherd come out and say that he's a game manager. That was an easy pass. So it was third and seven then, and it was high and wide to Luke Musgrave. He was wide open, and initially it looks like an awful miss. Um, Now the silver lining, if you want to take from it, sort of only barely scratching the surfaces, is that the tight end is completely uncovered, which means that it's a good play drawn up by Matt LaFleur, and it's well executed by Luke Mosgrave. But if you go to Dan Orlovsky's Twitter, and it's not that far down, he breaks down two plays that Jordan Love kind of gets wrong. Because you cannot sort of knock the deep shot to Watson. That was a really good defensive play. Remember, he went 7 out of 10. So there was two more plays that uh, were not completed. Uh, pass plays not completed. Luke Mosgrave, this was one of them. And the other one is that it's a play action, not to spoiler alert. It's a play action pass and the ball gets batted down. So Dan Orlovsky does a really good breakdown where he focuses on the play as we see it and then he looks at it from the Bengals end zone where you can see where Jordan Love's head is. 
And he talks about the coverage and the fact that the safety are linebackers and where they're positioned and they're in the middle of the field. So there's a linebacker in the middle of the field and he's there to sort of box off anybody running across the middle, which is exactly where Luke Musgrave was. And it shows that Jordan Love, it's almost a no-look pass. He's looking to the right, trying to hold that linebacker. And when he goes to make the throw, he makes it look like he's going to pass it to the right side of the field and then adjusts his arm and makes that throw to the left and skies it and doesn't make Luke Musgrave. Right. So on the face of it, bad pass. And being honest, they're the passes that, yes, we can understand that. Yes, we can look at what he was doing with his eyes and all that. Uh, but he still should have made that throw. And hopefully in the future, he will make that throw. But the good thing to look at here is is that he identified the defensive coverage. He knew what the linebacker was there for. He keyed off him. He held him with his eyes, but just held him a little bit too long and then couldn't complete the pass. So he did everything up to getting it right and then just didn't connect on the pass. So that was his second of three that he didn't make. First one, fine. It's broken up by Dax Hill, the Bengals safety. Uh, Instant touchdown had he made it. The pass was accurate. The safety made a great play. The second one, he read the coverage, read the defense, held the linebacker with his eyes, did it maybe a bit of overkill. If you look at it, it really does look like a no-look pass, which we all know was when it was invented by Patrick Mahomes, and then just didn't make the pass. The Packers leave the field. Uh, Pat O'Donnell comes out and punts 60 yards, by the way. Uh, so big clap for Pat O'Donnell. We're all here for some special teams um, breakdown. So anyway, let's get on to the second defensive drive. First and 10, uh, it's a pass as such. It's an end around for Jaden Reed. Now, I liked it because it was a little bit in... Because you're not going to get too inventive on preseason games. I mean, Matt LaFleur isn't going to break open his uh, sack of tricks, if you will. Um, so the fact that they're doing some end arounds and trying some... Especially with, you know, rookies is great. So Jaden Reed, end around, five yards, grand. Second and five. And this is the only other time... And I say the only other. He only had 10 attempts, right? So I'm not bigging him up. You know, don't be giving me the comments like, oh, yeah, you're Jordan Lover. Uh, Jordan Lover, is that a thing? Play action. And the ball is batted down. Now, again, it looks bad, right? So you look at it initially, kind of like the wide open miss to Musgrave. And on the face of it, it's not great. You get the ball batted down. You're thinking, could you not have went somewhere else? And at the very minimum, you get the ball out on the screen. Don't be letting them bat the ball down. Uh, you know, on a bad day, that could be intercepted and ran back and all that good stuff. However, Dan Orlovsky again. This is the two plays that he breaks down. The first one to Musgrave earlier and this one again. The way he looks at it is, is he says that he chose the right play. This is the right play. If you look at all the wide receivers and anyone else he had to throw to, all had their backs to him at this point. It was designed as a screen. He just couldn't make it come off. So the pass didn't cut it. The pass was bad. And to earn your stripes and to earn your money and to earn your bread and to get the wins in the NFL, it comes down to these very fine margins. However, Orlovsky broke it down again and he shows that Jordan Love did pick the correct player to make the ball go to. He just couldn't make that happen. Now, you do that too many times, you lose games. Um, it was a sure thing. The yardage was there. But again, the space was there. The play was drawn up by LaFleur well. Jordan Love made his reads and picked the correct one. He just didn't make the pass come off. Right? Again, not saying he gets a get-out-of-the-jail-free card for it, uh, but at the same time, you know, he's at least he's reading the defense correctly and making the right play. He's not doing boneheaded stuff of banging it into triple coverage when he doesn't have to. 
Um, so that's a positive. Next play goes to third and five. Watson on the sideline, first down, great play. Runyon makes a false start on the next play and AJ Dillon runs for 11 yards on first and 15. So the four yards to go. Bengals do a neutral zone infraction. Happy days. That moves at five yards. We first and 10. And then he throws an absolute bullet to Romeo Dobbs. Again, what I saw with this play was, and not to get too granular or pedantic, uh, and it's just there to be seen on the face of it, it was a patient play. He let the play develop, and then he passed it to Romeo Dobbs. Uh, really accurate. And you have to credit the O-line to give him time throughout this game, in fact. But it was between three defenders. So there's three defenders in the vicinity. You would imagine that Dubs wouldn't be able to find the space. But Love lets the play develop. They're playing zone. And he gets the ball to Romeo Dobbs to bring up a first and goal. Now, I was impressed by it. And it was only after looking at the game again and Love's drives for this podcast. I realized that I wasn't panicking or freaking out at all. Because usually it comes to... Because look at it, right? First and 15. And you're like, geez, you know, this is going to be rough. Third and five. And you're thinking, here we go. You know, one more yard, it's third and long. And he hits Watson on the sideline for a first down. Easy peasy. So there was no point in this game where you kind of go, God, this is a wing and a prayer stuff. Of course, it's preseason. It's very relaxed. He's not coming up against the ones as much. Although the defense that they had out there had some good players on it. But again... Just his patience to let the play develop as it's designed and get the ball where it should go to move the chains. So, first and 10, bullet to Dobbs, brings up first and goal. He passes it to Watson. Again, he was under duress in this play, which didn't happen a lot in this game, mostly because he wasn't out there for a very long time and also the O-line were doing a good job. But he's under duress and he makes the pass on the run. Uh, Doesn't get a lot of yardage, but it's still a positive play. Um, and again, it was a very bite-sized, tiny, minuscule sample size of him being put under pressure and making a throw while on the run and adjusting his body. So for me, that's a win. Next, second and goal, and it's a touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs, and it's a nice little lofted pass. To me, it's a tight window, and it's a really accurate, lofted, perfect pass to Romeo Dobbs because he brings it down, Packers get a touchdown, Jordan Love has finished for the night. He went 7-10 and 10 for 46 yards and one touchdown. And to me, it didn't look, it looked like it was a Rodgers special in the sense of he's making the decisions he should. He's reading the defences as he should. Um, and I'll give you a further backup for that if you need it. Um, and he's calm. Uh, he's collected. He's making throws on the run. And he's looking after the ball. There's no interceptions there. Now, we did see... Um, Sean Clifford come out and tear it up right and of course everyone's like oh he's the he, why don't they consider him for number one it's not all about blah 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 right and we'll get to that now in a second but Love came out in his post-match presser and he A took accountability which is nice and refreshing if I may um, he has a positive spin on it and he was talking about reading the defense so when he was looking at that Romeo Dobbs touchdown he mentioned how in practice that they keyed in on Watson whereas this time uh, or they keyed in on Dobbs and he went to Watson for the touchdown and this time they keyed in on Watson so he went to Dobbs now you can be cynical and look at that and say he had some you know sort of experience there but in real game time to sort of key in on what the defense are doing and who to pick to go to deserves kudos and that's what you get from studying game tape Um. so again 
I commend him for that. And you can see what he's trying to do with that Luke Musgrave miss, where he was talking about holding the linebacker. He did a bit too much. Um, so look, it just goes to show that he is looking at the defense because this is what Brett Favre talked about. It. Um, you know, when they were talking about nickel and dime and all this, and he was sort of saying, well, I've, I don't even know what that means. So he wasn't reading the defense at the time. He was just sort of throwing it, winging a prayer stuff. Um, and we can see the difference then when Sean Clifford comes out. Now, Sean Clifford, damn good football player, uh, played for Penn State, is used to playing in front of big crowds, and they were kind of saying that as well. And when I was taking notes, and I didn't get too far into the game with the note-taking because eventually it just becomes sort of garbage, right? Uh, because you can get really deep into it, and then you realise, oh yeah, he's playing against guys who are sort of fighting for a spot in the practice squad. But I had so many times I had circled you know, second and four on the third offensive drive. Unreal pass to Torre between two defenders for 25 yards. Ridiculous. And then about three plays later, it was a third and four. And it was a jump ball to Jaden Reed. And Jaden Reed, again, credit to him, pulls it in one-handed. And it was at this stage that uh, Sean Clifford was three, three for three for three uh, for 49 yards. So again, the cynic in you looks at seven for 10 for 46 yards for Jordan Love and then three for three for 49 yards for Sean Clifford. And then three plays later, four plays later, another unreal pass uh, to Jaden Reed uh, for a touchdown. But it's broken up and they get a penalty and it's pass interference. And then Tyler Goodson goes in for the running touchdown. But again, ridiculous pass uh, to bring that up. So I'm not going to wax too lyrical. I just remind people that this happened before when Kurt Benkert was there and then everyone was surprised. He became this weird sort of cult hero. A nice guy, right? But only in Green Bay do we make cult heroes out of like practice squad players. Um, a fine player. Went on to the Niners, I believe. Maybe the Seahawks then. And I think they call him a former quarterback now. Again, great following his journey. Not knocking him. Uh, but he played pretty outstanding, I thought, in Green Bay. And uh, People were saying, oh, he's a lock. And then all of a sudden he gets cut. And it was, it was a surprise. Now, Sean Clifford has all but locked down his backup quarterback credentials. Um, again, what was he, 20 for 26 for like 208 yards or something on the night? Um, just, you know, pretty stellar stuff. Very reminiscent of kind of Brett Favre. But that's what you get with someone like him. He's fighting for the second spot. Uh, the criticism for Jordan Love, and you get this in first round picks and someone who's you know he would have been fed all of this stuff of like you're the future hang in there Jordan we're coming to you buddy um, you know that he wants to protect the ball they see that as sort of a premium obviously in the NFL and you've got more to lose when you are the sort of the de facto ordained uh, third Hall of Fame quarterback in the making uh, maybe you know, and you're going to protect the ball. And his criticism was that he wouldn't just let the ball go. You know, just have to let it fly sometimes and not be too cautious with it. And that only comes with being able to read defenses and being able to read coverages and to have the ability and to have that bit of chemistry with your players and trust them and to know the routes and know the offense and feel comfortable. And it's like driving, you know, you get, you start driving, you're so busy smashing pedals and gears and indicators and window wipers and flashing lights and freaking out and dealing you know and then you come across other cars on the road and you're like oh jesus and then you've got to deal with that and then you only get used to dealing with normal situations and then a granny walks out and you're like oh for god's sake. and you're trying to deal with that and dogs and cars and balls and you know and 
the more time you spend on your fundamentals of driving the car, obviously the more that becomes second nature and you start to be able to look outside yourself. And that's what we see the evolution of Jordan Love being. Now, does that is that going to translate into wins? I don't know. Will it translate into Super Bowls? I thought it did, but apparently not. Uh, thanks, Chad. So, yeah, it's just, it's a positive step. And this is what I mean. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But from what we're seeing is that Jordan Love appears to be exactly where he's supposed to be in this offense and in his development. And that's a really good thing. Now, there's other people that are shocking. Some people for good reasons, some people for bad reasons. Um, Carrington Valentine, seventh round pick. And again, it's a preseason. But, and they asked him about it, Matt LaFleur, and they said, here, you're going to get this kid more playing time. And he gave this sort of canned answer. He gave the canned answer of like, we will have to take a look at that. Um, and of course, the journals read into it and said, Matt LaFleur confirms uh, Valentine's the Hall of Famer. He's not really. But uh, I again, I sort of circled sort of big performances and where Jordan Love was very nuanced. There was no circling. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, solid. Uh, whereas for Valentine, pass breakup, it was almost an interception um, on the second defensive stand. Um, and then when it came to the um, third defensive stand, again, a big pass breakup from Valentine. Uh, now, it was sort of down as illegal, if you will. Um, and as a Packers fan, I would say it was absolutely within the uh, realms of the law. Uh, objectively, yeah, he was all over his back, you know. And so we really see him shine and he goes on to shine throughout the game. And of course, I can give honorable mentions to the running back who uh, tore it up for 100 yards in that game and, and all that kind of jazz. But it starts to get into more garbage time as, as you get on. And I don't want to read too much into it. What I will say is, is on the first defensive stand, we had our ones in there, our starters in there. And it was an open and shut case. Now, can you look into it too much? No, because you're not coming up against uh, Burrow and uh, all of that. But first and 10, Preston Smith and Keyshawn Nixon tackle for a loss. Pushes them back to second and 18. TJ Slayton creates the run stop. Uh, they only get three yards. And then on first and 15, there's massive pressure up front. And then Keyshawn Nixon again. So that's the second time in three plays he comes up big with a pass breakup. Um, and knocks that ball down and they get the Bengals offense off the field. Now, the Bengals offense and the Bengals defense quite poor on the day. So let's not read too much into it. But what I took from it was, is that Jordan Love is making the right reads. He is actually reading the defense and it's not just sort of, you know, by accident coming up with the right things. It's very small sample size, but very encouraged. And I like the way the plays were developing. He'd wait, he'd sit back there and be patient and then make the right choice. Um... He can improve on that pass to Musgrave, although I can see what he was doing. Uh, he can improve on getting the ball batted at the line of scrimmage. That's extremely dangerous. They need to be your bread and butter plays. They are what gets you out of trouble. Uh, and we can't let him off the hook for that. But again, at least he knew to go to the screen that it was a dump off um, and to get the ball out there. So it's a positive thing. Other players are coming to the fore. Uh, the player that's alarming people is Anders Carlson, the kicker. So here's here's a guy who went out and missed extra points and that's not good. And there's no real excuse for it because the kicking unit should be fairly consistent. And where you look at an offense or you look at a defense and you're installing plays and you're trying to keep it vanilla and you all that good stuff, you don't really have that with the special teams. Now, in a way, you're waiting for that chemistry to come in with long snappers and holders and kickers and you know, whatever hash the player likes it on and, you know, whatever. And we saw it sort of go off the rails a little bit for Mason Crosby when 
ever there would be a change. The minute you tinker with it. So when you have a new system and there are new players and a new kicker, especially a rookie, it's going to be difficult. And we do need to be patient. Um, but I did see a comment and it did hit a little bit of a nerve when they said that, is this the, you know, the Achilles heel of this? Not that everything else is amazing, but is this the area where the Packers ignore it for too long uh, until it comes home to roost? I'll say it again. I thought that the way the Packers should have really went was is to bring back Mason Crosby. Now, Crosby put up a very limited sample size again um, of how he's kicking after the sort of thing about he can't kick long anymore and he had injuries and all that kind of jazz. He was getting old. I mean, he's, he's been great for a long time. Um, his candles on his birthday cake have, you know, there's more candles than cake. But uh, on his Instagram, he's he's doing really well at kicking um, long distances again. Now, that's what he's going to show us. And so, again, temper expectations. But Mason is the all-time leading point scorer for the Packers and a fantastic player. So you look at it and go, I understand the philosophy, but it better not be philosophy for philosophy's sake, philosophy for philosophy's sake, to get the young players in there. Um, if there's any year to do it, uh, well, then you do it now because maybe the expectation is a little bit lower. Now, for some people, it's going to be higher on the offense to sort of make it click. But to me, it's a dangerous game to be playing when you know, you don't want to be losing by an extra point or four or when it comes to the clutch and you need that field goal kicked because we saw reports coming out of camp against the Patriots that A, Jordan Love, again, some more solid play, but also that uh, Anders Carlson came out and Love put them in a position to win in a two-minute drill and he makes a kick and doesn't make it. Now, there's all this conspiracy, you know, aliens jokes that the ball hung up at 40 yards and just came back. Uh, so sometimes there is wind conditions, but that's the point. When you're kicking in Lambeau Field, the wind is weird, right? So you really have to be able to account for that and you need practice there. So um, it is a concern and it's definitely watch this space. And I think we'd be kicking ourselves if we start losing games because it just puts more pressure on the offense, obviously, because you're out there on third and short. Um, then fourth and short and you're thinking we kind of have to leave love out there and you're putting pressure and stressing on offense to try get the yardage because you cannot depend on your kicker to kick from certain distances and we really don't want to get there because it is massively disruptive but anyway look I'll end it there I'm not going to get into too much analysis by looking ahead to the Patriots I will say the joint practices are great when people aren't slapping each other around the place Matt LaFleur came out and said that he sort of had this Thomas Shelby talk Thomas um, with the lads saying no fight because we kind of Elton Jenkins is usually so cool I mean he made you know Aaron Donald to go crazy and you know try rip his head off during the game and he kept his cool uh, so for him to be slapping people in practice is not a great sign um, but the fact that they're trying to put a can on it there doesn't seem to be anything coming out from Patriots practice and then of course the timeline is flooded with what's happening with the Jets and how much they're fighting and how bad of a look that is um, so look it does happen at joint practices you don't have that camaraderie so for instance there was an amazing play uh, that was put out of Jordan Love going to Watson for the touchdown and Jair Alexander runs out on the field and daps him up as he comes back and just that kind of defense offense sort of synergy is really nice and you'd, you'd still get slaps and you still get handbags and you still get all the rest uh, with sort of inter-team stuff of course it happens all the time just ask Martellus Bennett with the Bears but when you have joint practice it's a bit more dodgy we haven't seen stuff like that um, come out 
which is good. And it's nice to hear LaFleur talking about how they reached out to Bill Belichick and he wants some of Bill Belichick's magic uh, and kind of see how they operate and how they run things. And it's great to see that respect there because if anybody's earned it, Bill Belichick has. When you sort of leave all of that sort of media narrative of he's a Brady, he's a Belichick, he's a both, who, you know, who was the real winner here? Um, it's an interesting dynamic. Also, the sort of comparison between moving from Tom Brady to Mac Jones and then moving from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and to see that kind of dynamic there. I would love to be a fly in the wall if LaFleur does manage to sort of uh, get Belichick on his own and have a chat and what they might be able to talk about. Um, but anyway, look, that's the that's the podcast. Uh, let's look in again, and the same sort of applies for this Patriots game. We're looking for cool, calm, and collected. We're looking for uh, protect the ball. I don't know how much that Jordan Love will play. Um, and again, let's not get carried away when the second, third string quarterback comes out and plays a stormer because it's usually with reckless abandon. They've got nothing to lose. However, I have been super impressed with Sean Clifford. But look, we are the home of, uh, you know, the crowd that gives away all expenses paid trips to Lambeau Field and have kept that Lambeau tier open. So for every month that you're in on Lambeau, tier on patreon.com forward slash UK Packers is one entry into the draw to win an all expenses paid trip which we gave away to a guy called Callum Kerrison and you can follow his journey on YouTube as we go stateside for week eight against the Vikings and you can see exactly what's involved in a group tour we have videos up there at the minute uh, youtube.com forward slash UK Packers and you can see some of the champions tour footage um, and you want to get a real flavour of it. The tour is completely booked out this year again, which is phenomenal. We're bringing 50 people over to the States. So what I would recommend is, is that it's never too early to get the emails out to Ben at Touchdown Trips. You can go to our website, ukpackers.co.uk forward slash tours for all the details and pricing for this year's trip, which could be indicative of next year's trip and get those emails in because there was plenty of people this year that reached out at around Christmas time, if not before, for their husband's birthdays and all that kind of jazz. So it was really lovely to see. So anyway, I've been at CDD NFL. We have been at UK Packers and we'll talk to you after the Patriots game next week. Go Pack Go.